is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Matty. I'm part of the family here at Woodside, and I have been for a while. It's my pleasure and privilege to um, continue our series, our Fight Night Proverb series, where we take uh, a proverb and put it against another one and see which characteristic really shines through of the two. And I'm going to be talking today about uh, the diligent versus the sluggard. So we're going to start off by looking what we mean by these words uh, in the Bible. We're going to look at the case against sluggardliness, uh, the case for diligence, and then something that I'm calling the dangers of diligence, which I'll get for, uh, to in a little bit. But I want to start off with uh, a story about work. It's a story called Whose Job Is It? This is a little story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Thank you. That's not my story. Um, it's a story I heard actually when I was about 10 years old, so like 13 years ago, and I've remembered it since. So when I came up with this preach, I thought, oh, that's a, that's a fun little story to start with. The moral of the story is that no person took responsibility for the job that was meant to be done, and therefore it simply just didn't get done. See, there is work that all of us are able to do, so should we look to other people to do it, or should we do it ourselves? With that, let's start with some verses about diligence and sluggardliness. My brother preached last week and he's decided to stick to one because there are so many verses. Family likeness and all, I've done the opposite. (laughs) And uh, we are bombarding you with verses. We're going all around Proverbs. So Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 8 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Proverbs 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everybody who is hasty comes only to poverty. My personal favorite, um, because I think it's just a really terrible and funny excuse, uh, Proverbs 22, 13, the the sluggard says, there is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets, because of course there is. Uh, And Proverbs 20, verse 4, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn, he will seek at harvest and have nothing. Now, I I hope that you can see from these, the favoured of these two traits is diligence. But what is diligence? Without making it too messy, diligence is about working hard and working persistently. But I want to break it down slightly more than that, because diligence can look very different in different parts of our lives. We can be diligent in our walk with God. That's our Christian character. We can be diligent in our church or a community of Christians by serving and encouraging one another. And we can be diligent in our workplaces and in our normal life, being a light to the other people around us. And we'll come back and unpack more of these in a bit. The unfavorable, therefore, the bad of the two traits, is sluggardliness, which I'm actually not sure is actually a real word, but it's the word I'm sticking with. Um, Being a sluggard. To be a sluggard is to be lazy. Now, a sluggard's not a particularly common word today, but it's one that I'm actually myself quite familiar with. See, my dad, who I love, and my dad, who loves me, would often call me a sluggard when I was being lazy. 
For example, I'll paint you a picture. I would come downstairs from my room. Let's say it's like, I don't know, 5 p.m. on a Saturday. I'd come downstairs, and I'd ask if food was being made. That seems quite reasonable. It's 5 o'clock on a Saturday, until you realize I've got quite puffy eyes and bed hair, and I'm asking if my breakfast is ready. Yeah. Of course, it was his dinner. So uh, he would say something to me like, have you only just gotten up? It's 5 o'clock, you sluggard. Or... Uh, after dinner, he'd ask if I could wash the plates up. Please, could you wash up the plates? And I'd say, sure, no problem. Half an, hour, half an hour later, I'd still be sat on the sofa with a stack of plates in the kitchen, and he'd say, the plates are there. Don't be such a sluggard. Get up and wash them up. And to be fair, I think he'd choose that word mostly because it's quite a fun and satisfying word to say that we probably should bring back because it's quite a good one. And so for me, reading it in the Bible with all these connotations of laziness, it kind of it just makes sense. So, in the case against the sluggard, uh, I find it helpful to characterize the sluggard into Mr. or Mrs. Sluggard to see how they behave. For example, Mr. Sluggard is a serial procrastinator. That is, he is a serial delayer. He sees the things that can be done in that very moment and chooses not to do them anyway. Now, there are times when we should delay things in order to focus our full attention to them so we can give them our full effort. But Mr. Sluggard delays simply because he just doesn't want to do it. For him, it's always going to be tomorrow's problem. See, if you have the ability and the capacity to do something good for someone and then you choose not to do that thing, that is laziness. Do not withhold good uh, from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. Proverbs 3.27. Now, I can be a procrastinator at times as well. Uh, I'm the, I, I envy people who can get things done well in advance because I'm the kind of person that watches the clock and watches the deadlines tick down and then has the stress of trying to get everything done in not really enough time to get it done, and I have the shame of apologizing when I run over that deadline. So I actually added a quick note to my, my um, PowerPoint before I sent it off two minutes before the deadline. <laughs> now... The point is, being, a, being a, a procrastinator, a serial procrastinator, it's a bad and it's an ungodly trait. Mr. or Mrs. Sluggard is also a quitter. When she's, finished, um, when she's finished delaying, she's finally getting down to business, she hits some kind of hardship and then goes straight back to doing nothing. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth, Proverbs 19.24. Mrs. Sluggard is presented with a plate of food, which, as Felix said in his preach, we very much doubt she made herself. And, but even with the reward of sustenance and eating, she puts her fork in the plate, but can't be bothered to just lift it up in that final step. Now, I could be a quitter at times as well. When I was younger, about eight or so, I... Um, I did gymnastics on a Sunday, Saturday morning. Um, I was pretty good at it. I had a, a, a navy blue leotard and white shorts, so I looked the real deal. I could even, thanks for the wolf whistle, I could even, um, on the uneven bars, for those that know gymnastics, I could swing from the lower one up to the top one with a straddle underboot. I know, very good, right? Very good. See, but the problem is, in hindsight, I quit doing gymnastics simply because I didn't like getting up on a Saturday morning. Not a surprise to many of you who know me. <laughs> the opportunity for diligence and for fitness were handed to me on a plate by my parents, and I hit the hardship of lifting my hand to get out of bed on a Saturday, and I gave up. Quitting is a bad and an ungodly trait. Mr. and Mrs. Sluggard is also full of excuses. He's got a job to do, but he can't simply say he doesn't want to do it. He can avoid that whole conversation if he's got a reason that he can't 
do it instead. See, that's much better for him. That's much more justified. Now, now it's not his fault that he's not doing something. He can blame something else. It's something else's fault. And for him, it doesn't matter what that excuse is, as long as he's got an excuse in place. Similar to the one I read earlier, Proverbs 26.13, the sluggard says there's a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets. Possible, I guess, but very, very unlikely. Now, I can be full of excuses at times as well. I got a message from someone uh, a, a while ago asking if me and a friend wanted to meet up. And I didn't really want to meet up with this person, but instead of just politely declining, I came up with an excuse in my head. I thought, I'm going to have to speak to my friend and organize with them and when we're both free and then get back to the original person. Um, in my head, it sounded good. It sounded like a reasonable excuse, but to be honest, looking back, it made about as much sense as blaming a lion. So in the end, I just rudely ignored this message from this person for months, and I hoped that it would just go away. Being full of excuses is a bad and an ungodly trait. Mr. and Mrs. Sluggard is a nuisance and a burden. She doesn't bless the people around her because she's too focused on herself and her own wants, and worse than that, she won't provide for her own wants and therefore depends on others. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The Bible makes it very clear, Mrs. Sluggard isn't fun to be around like smoke in your eyes or a foul taste. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during the harvest and have nothing. Mrs. Sluggard, ironically, is hard work. As a colleague, she's a nightmare. She's unproductive and unapologetic. She doesn't want to change that. She forces other people to pick up her slack while ignoring developing her own skills. Now, I can be a nuisance and a burden sometimes, too. At school, I was proper lazy. Okay? I was, I'm naturally academic, so... I'm the kind of person that doesn't have to work very hard and still got the results I needed. And I remember there were times in lessons where I felt pretty confident that I knew a subject, uh, and therefore filling in my books was just kind of a, a formality that I didn't really want to do. So I'd nudge the person next to me and copy their answers with edits so it wasn't obvious. I'd copy their answers out to just to fill in my own work. And there were other times where, the majority of the time, where I forgot or left at home my homework. Um, and I'd go around people in my class and copy their answers, uh, even at the start of lessons as the teacher was handing, uh, collecting in the papers. And I know from people, whisperings and, and conversations I had with people, it really annoyed some of the people in my class because they put in a lot of work to do that, and I just copied it at the end and got the same benefits. Being a nuisance and a burden as a result of laziness is a bad and an ungodly trait. And finally, Mr. or Mrs. Sluggard won't listen. He's so set in his ways that he cannot be told otherwise. His excuses are so ingrained that he believes them himself, and he thinks he has a better understanding of his situation than anyone else can possibly have insight into. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Seven men is a number of completeness. He cannot be told by anyone, no matter how many people give him advice. Mr. Sluggard doesn't want commitment and persistence so he invents unrealistic grand plans of quick and easy money. Someone wise might challenge the feasibility of his idea, but what do they know, he thinks? They have to work for their money. They didn't come up with this idea themselves. They're kind of jealous of me, and they just want to shoot it down because they have to work. Mr. Sluggard has a good grasp of parts of the Bible that appeal to him. Things like the necessity of rest, things like salvation is not by works, the temptations of wealth even, the provision of God. 
He's got a good understanding of these, and a wise person points him to verses about diligence and hard work, but surely his rest is more important to him. A wise per- um, his work is harder than anyone else's. He's got, it's hard being Mr. Mr., uh, Mr. Sluggard. He's got all kinds of pressures. His work is harder, and therefore his me time is all the more necessary than anyone else's possibly can be. Now, there are times when I won't listen as well. A few years ago, when I was in my last year of school in year 13, I had a season where I would skip church on a Sunday. And I would come downstairs uh, at lunchtime when my parents got back, and my mum would look at me and say something like, oh, I, I didn't see you at church this morning. <laughs> and in my head, because I wouldn't dare do this in person, in my head I would roll my eyes, and in my head I would retort something like, what does she know? Because I was tired, obviously. School was busy, obviously. Um, I hadn't rested all day properly on Saturday, obviously. Now, obviously, I was just being lazy, but I was even falling for my own excuses. Not listening is a bad and ungodly trait. And I hope this paints a convincing warning against being a sluggard, but what about the case for diligence or for the diligent? As I mentioned at the beginning, we can be diligent in different parts of our lives, in our walk with God, in church, and in our normal life. Diligence in our walk with God is about loving him, knowing him, and obeying him. We love God by knowing him and the things that he's done for us, which makes us want to obey him. And we can know God better in the same way that we get to know people better. That's by spending time with each other. See, I've grown up with a guy who many of you will know, a guy called Ollie. He and I know each other so well um, that we will regularly make the same joke, the same comment, or have the same reaction at exactly the same time as each other. And we kind of just look at each other every time it happens and just kind of smile because we just know each other so well. When you spend so much time with someone, you start to become alike. And it's the same with us and God. But since God never changes, we actually change to become more like him. Now, Ollie and I happened to be in the same year at school. Uh, We went to the same schools, we went to the same classes, we went to church together, we went to youth together. So neither of us had to put a lot of effort into us spending time together and put effort into us getting to know one another. So when we uh, went to different upper schools, our friendship drifted apart as well. We saw each other at church and we saw each other at youth, but that was it. See, it's easy to spend time with God when it's convenient. When you're, a Christian, uh, when you're at church or a Christian event, like being at church and youth with Ollie, when it's convenient, it's easy. But it's when it's not convenient to spend time with him that we can create distance between us and God. And now after doing Impact together a year when we were serving the church uh, together, we got to know each other really well again. And Ollie and I have probably never been closer. And we spend time with each other, not just because of the things we do together, but because of Ollie's diligence in initiating things where we can hang out with each other. See, that's why we need diligence in our walk with God, because it's easier to ignore your Bible. It's easier to ignore prayer. It's easier not to worship. It's easier not to do what God's telling you to do. Now, diligence is a habit that's formed in small steps and equally lost in small steps. Maybe it's reading your Bible for 15 minutes when you get home from work. Maybe it's praying before you go to bed or singing worship in the shower. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 17 and 20, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Strictly speaking, he's talking about identifying false prophets, but the principle still stands. Our fruit, the things that we do and how we do them, is evidence of who we are, and it can reveal what we really care about. If our fruit 
is laziness, then perhaps we need to work on our diligence in knowing God. Although our calling, secondly in the church, or calling our commission is to go to the nations, the church is an important foundation for Christians. The church, which is a community of Christians, not just a building, is our starting place. It's where we learn, it's where we're encouraged, and where we're equipped, and where we are challenged. Proverbs 27:17. as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need to be diligent in the relationships we have with other Christians in order that we can sharpen them and be sharpened by them. Someone who's done this really well for me is a guy called Brian Leeson. Ever since he started coming to Woodside, uh, we've met up for a drink or for breakfast and just talked about life, the things that I'm excited about, the things that I'm challenged by or struggling with, and he's offered me wisdom in those situations. As I alluded to with Ollie, I'm not much of an initiator, so it's been Brian's diligence to come up with these plans, um, and it's blessed me enormously as a result. Another way that we need diligence in church is by serving. Many people work hard and with uh, persistence to run our Sunday meetings and groups throughout the week so that we can all benefit from them in worshiping together, uh, being taught and equipped. And I want to use this opportunity to recognize a couple of people who I think do this really well. Daniel at the back, who is um, amazing. This is going to be weird for you to translate. Daniel has diligently translated our Sunday meetings into Ukrainian most weeks since he and his family started coming to Woodside, even with people like me who talk way too quickly. And this is also the Ukrainian speakers in our family can understand the preach and engage with it. See, that is diligence. Esther Hurst has served on our kids' work teams and even led a team for probably for forever. Um, she even, more than that, she served on Friday nights at Open House for years. And she's one of the most dependable leaders that I know who will generously take on whatever extra that she can. That is what diligence looks like. And finally, my, my mum, Vicky, my dad, Richard, my sister, Hermione, and my brother, Tom. Hermione is at university in Cambridge, and yet is still part of the kids' work rotor here at Woodside and serves it diligently. Tom, my brother, who preached last week, um, he is a leader at both Powerhouse and Open House, and he rarely missed a Friday evening, even while he was working and doing a master's. That is diligence. My mum has led Lighthouse on a Tuesday evening, uh, for 10 years and has had hundreds of kids come through from unchurched backgrounds, learning Bible stories, praying together and worshiping together. That is diligence. And as Ruth men mentioned earlier, it's great to see my dad here. It took no less than a heart attack and cancer in order for him to miss Powerhouse Lighthouse and catering at New Day. That is diligence. But all these works aren't really the main point. They're good things of themselves, but they're not the point. The fruit shows what kind of tree they are. It all comes from a heart of knowing God, loving him, and therefore loving other people as they have the capacity to do. Now lastly, we should work hard and persistently in our everyday lives. Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, one of the most convincing ways that we can point people to Jesus is simply by the way that we live. Our works are evidence of who we are, and so to live to different standards shows that we are different than the culture around us. Now, our culture actually generally shuns laziness and praises hard work, so what makes a Christian different in this way? We're different in how we work, and we're different in why we work. A thief may work very hard and persistently, planning and executing a massive heist, but he's hardly pointing people to his heavenly father in doing so. 
So a Christian should work honestly and with integrity. The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. A businesswoman may work very hard uh, to become rich and successful and famous, but in doing so, she's not necessarily pointing people to her heavenly father. So a Christian uh, should work to glorify God, being grateful for whatever he blesses them with, and then looking after or being generous with that blessing. Trust in your money and down you go, but the godly flourish like leaves in the spring. Wouldn't it be an amazing testimony of God's character if Christians were well-renowned for being the diligent in their workplaces? Now, I hope this sounds like a good thing, but how can we develop diligence? See, diligence is a discipline or skill that comes easily to some people, but it's something that can be learned by everyone. I've been listening to a uh, podcast about philosophy recently, and there's a 5th century BC Chinese philosopher called Lao Tzu, who said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Perhaps you have a tendency towards laziness, and so this journey to being diligent feels like a thousand miles away, but it begins where you are. As Jonathan said earlier, you come as you are, because God will work with you and take you on that journey. Perhaps your first step to knowing God better is to pray for a few minutes when you wake up or before you go to sleep. If that's where you are or that's your first step, do it diligently and then build from there. Maybe you listen to the Bible or the Bible in one year on your way to work like I do. If that's where you are or that's your first step, do it diligently and build from there. And now each one of us is different, so work how you work best. Maybe you're like me and you're motivated by deadlines. Set deadlines for yourself and stick to them. Maybe seeing progress helps you work harder, so track how you're doing. Keep a record or a, or a to-do list. Work hard so that you can point people to God by your diligence. And finally, have defined goals. Practically in the workplace, it could complete a certain project by a certain time. Be recognized for your hard work and be promoted at an extra view. That can be a good thing as well. In your relationships, it could be to meet up with a certain person at a particular time or to start a ministry in the church that you think it's lacking and by speaking to particular people. In your walk with God, setting aside a particular amount of time to worship or deciding to finish reading a book or part of the Bible by the time next week. Whatever it is, make the goal clear and achievable and then build more goals on its success. Work hard so that you can build your relationship with God and point people to him by your diligence. Now, the last thing I want to touch on is something that I'm calling the dangers of diligence. Diligence is in and of itself a good and a godly thing. But like many good things, we can actually turn it into something that it was never meant to be. Mr. Sluggard was onto something when he recognized the importance of rest. But just as the sluggard turns rest into laziness, the diligent can turn hard work into overworking. Laziness is not doing something that you're able to do, but taking on something you genuinely don't have the capacity for is equally ungodly. This is one thing that really gets me. I really struggle to say no. And there's been times, uh, by the grace of God, I have quite a high capacity, but there's been times when I've taken on more than I can handle. And all it's done is meant that I cannot diligently complete and serve the things I've agreed to do and let other people down in the process. Sometimes the wiser choice is to stop and to rest. Another danger is that diligence can lead to opposition. The Bible promises that there will be trouble in this life. It tells us to wear spiritual armor and spiritual weaponry, that there is an enemy, Satan, prowling like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Being a Christian means being on a battleship, not in a cruise ship. 
See, I find it no coincidence that it was at the point when Lighthouse and Powerhouse and Open House, which were all groups that my family are very involved in, they were growing in the number of kids and youth from outside the church coming to learn about Jesus and to really understand what it means to be a Christian. It was at that time that our family was hit left, right, and center with trouble and health problems. Now, remember at the time, my mum said something to me to the effect of what good must we be doing in the kingdom for Satan to want to knock us down? We have to stay alert and trust God and be faithful. A subtle way for Satan to take you out of the game is simply to encourage laziness in your life. If you're lazy at church, uh, um, in your workplace, you're a poor reflection of God and the light of your works just fades out. If you're lazy at church, you don't sharpen other believers and they are worse off as a result of it. And finally, if you're lazy in your own walk with God, you stop spending time with him and before you even know it, you've drifted away. So pray to God to give you strength to endure, but also wisdom to rest. In conclusion, to be a Christian is to be diligent, not a sluggard. Diligence is a fruit that comes by knowing God and is expressed in all of the areas of our lives. To be properly diligent, however, we also need to properly rest. As Christians, we belong to Jesus Christ, and Jesus was not a sluggard. He worked hard, but he was also no stranger to rest, to a feast, to sleep, or time with his friends to fellowship. In John 9, verse 4 to 5, he says, We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. He diligently obeyed God the Father, living a perfect life. Where the sluggard invented a lion in order to avoid work, Jesus humbly walked straight into their den and was crucified for our failures. But he rose again, giving us his perfection and the Holy Spirit to guide us to diligently obey God like he did. Our salvation is through faith in Jesus, as we were talking about salvation earlier. Our works cannot earn it, but they are evidence of the change that it has on us. Scott Hubbard from Desiring God, uh, I think this is a really great quote. He says, in Christ we find our pattern for work, in Christ we find our power for work, and in Christ the sluggard dies. Our Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to be a perfect example of diligence, even to the point of death, so that we can know you and have relationship with you. Thank you that you designed us to both work hard and to rest. Help us to show the fruits of diligence. Help us to point people to you and please strengthen us when life gets difficult. We're sorry for the times where we choose to be sluggish when we don't want to do what we should just as we try to have patience with those who let us down too. If laziness starts creeping into our lives, help us to recognize it and stamp it out. May our lives bring glory to you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.